This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Rumya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. We're here to have another day of fun on the program. Midweek, so you know what that means. Same as the day before, and much the same as tomorrow, except a different cast of characters. For example, well, we'll tell you the example of who is joining us a little later on as our contributors, guests, and so on. You'll know our co-host in just a moment, but also just to announce, our co-host today gets a half day only. Welcome back. Wow. (laughs) Parade. Cheer. Uh, You're with us till the second hour. Grant Hardy will be back in here today working alongside me as he was with you yesterday. How Mm -hmm. are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Um, excellent. Having some fun here again, playing around with tech, getting ourselves settled in. I've got a, a different background, some, some, some changing. We're just playing around. Mm. There's some plants behind me, one right over my left shoulder, as a matter of fact. A I'm microphone nice. on a table behind me uh, to the right, just to give people a little bit of a, an idea. It's and cool because I can't tell exactly what's going on in your background, but I can tell that it's a nice contrast especially between whatever coat you're wearing and shirt underneath, so. Ah, the mm. sport coat there and the go. blue shirt and the fedora, of course, Looking as good. Yeah, it's that time now that I think I'll go back to once in a while throwing a sport coat on because, quite frankly, um, it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's starting to get cold, and I'm starting to get more Very cold. You know, s- sissy-like about it. So it's like, oh, no, no, I, I, I might fade away. Um, so, it, you know, it's that, it's that time of the year, right? We've been talking about how it seemed dark since October with the time change now, even more so. So what can you say? What can you do? It is life in Canada. Folks, let's take a look at what we've got on today's program for you. There's a trivia night taking place in Winnipeg with proceeds going to Vision Impaired Resource Network. Community reporter Vic Pereira, he'll be here to begin our second hour with all the details. Dia de Mortes, it's called the Day of the Dead. It happens in Mexico and audio describer JJ Hunt is over there reporting live. He's gonna tell us everything that's going on over there. And Kevin Shaw is back to join us on the program. We're gonna continue our series on business etiquette with a focus on digital etiquette in the workplace. We'll get into all of that as well during hour two of the program. Well, an interesting recall, and again, folks, it may or may not pertain to your vehicle. You may not even be a driver like myself. Uh, A recall of Toyota RAV4's SUVs is generating questions as to where should they be parked? Toyota is not advising owners of 1.9 million recalled RAV4 SUVs to park them outdoors, even though U.S. safety investigators have four complaints about engine fires that can start with the vehicle's ignitions turned off. The recall was announced Wednesday by Toyota. It came as U.S. safety regulators were investigating engine fires caused by battery problems in RAV4s. Toyota is asking owners to take their vehicles to a dealer soon so technicians can make sure replacement batteries were installed properly. I'm Norman Hall. So are you, are you working on this list? Um, 
vehicles. So you might have to not park it in your garage, not next to any other vehicles. Don't know how huge of a parking lot you have uh, access to put your vehicle in or if you have any remote choice. That's number one. Number two, uh, we can think about the e-bikes. Okay, where are we parking those things? Because uh, funny enough, their batteries can go kaboom like these ignitions. Now, what are you doing about your cell phone? Don't, don't plug it in, put it on the couch. Don't plug it in, leave it on your bed. Um, make sure you don't have any frayed cords. Are you following me, Rum? Yeah, this is pretty, uh, pretty everywhere. I just am kind of nervous that we're still having these issues and mass, um, I guess, distribution. And it's already in our hands. Now, I understand what I'm saying is not like, you know, there's no way around it, right? That sometimes it's just long-term effects. Sometimes it's just wear and tear or other things. Part of progress, right? Part of progress, exactly. But it is kind of concerning that, you know, there's so many people who have the likelihood and the probability of having to deal with this. That's pretty scary. I think back to when you hear about the electricity being invented, Thomas Edison, and how the gas companies try to scare people and say, no, no, you don't want this electric thing. It's it's a work of the devil because it'll cause huge fires. Now, not that gas didn't explode back then, just as it still will now. It's funny, it has to do with the properties of it, I suppose. But the point is, it, it was that way to scare people off of it. But let's be fair. As you learn technology, things Happen. Right. I remember one day, just out of curiosity, doing research on artificial ice. When did hockey arenas or arenas start making fake ice, as we always called it? And my gosh, reading the history of it and all the fires associated to it, mm. you know, arena here burnt down. Oh, that arena was in existence till it burnt down due the to a fire in the arenas. ice making plant. Oh, yeah, because the ice making plants in the earliest days, it was such a technology that it was dangerous that there were a lot of arenas lost to we're fires. We're talking and, for entertainment purposes. Like, these aren't even, you know, these every are day. when you went skating for fun, right? Yeah. You, you know, there were a lot more of those ice arenas. Like, we had the roller skating ones come in. But before that, they had a lot of places that were not just used for sports, but used for... So, in history, you see this, as you said, Rum, it's part of that growing into it, knowing it, and finding and troubleshooting these as a problem. But... My gosh, there's a lot of it, and I'm sure it makes people say, guys, how can you not anticipate this? And probably they do in one way or another, and we have to navigate through it. You just, gosh, hope less injury, less death, and that's that's the thing you can only hope. You Obviously, property damage and so on, but it just makes you think, what, who next week? Which electric vehicle? And you don't want it setting that back because electric is a good thing. Um, folks, up next, after the break, speaking of a good thing, man, all right, Grant, you owe me 10 bucks for saying that, okay? Um, producer Grant Hardy shares headlines on health, lifestyle, technology, and accessibility. Cha-ching! He's up next after this two-minute break. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. I had to pay off Hardy, you know, send him to the e-transfer for saying nice, wonderful things. Aren't I dynamite that way? Oh, always are, yeah. Willing to take the money, right? Absolutely. I'm just always willing to help you, right? Always willing to take the money. 
Wherever you're listening in around Canada or watching on AMI-tv, glad to have you on board. Around the world, maybe you're checking us out through TuneIn Radio on AMI-audio. Remember our show times, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, AMI-tv. 4 p.m. Eastern time over on AMI-audio. Glad to have you on board with us. Let's welcome in to Talk Headlines, Grant Hardy. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramia. Mr. Hardy, how's things going today? Welcome back to the program. Excellent work yesterday on the last half of the show. Well, thank you. Hello, Kelly and Rami. Great to be back, and uh, things are humming along. I don't hear Grant. We're going to keep you really busy today, sir, and uh, we'll saw away what we can with headlines to start with and then put you to work on the hosting side uh, for hour two. Uh, Where do you want to start, Grant? All right, beautiful. Uh, So I want to thank producer reporter Beth Deer, who helped uh, get these set up for us uh, in the last day. We had a few moving parts, and so she very kindly prepped some headlines. So really appreciate that. And the first one is... Yeah, the first one is kind of intriguing, a little more Susan Susan Kearney's territory, but there's uh, apparently a movement called Leave the Leaves, which is kind of cute. And the idea, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the idea is basically to avoid sending bagged up fallen leaves uh, from your yard, your garden, uh, to the landfill, but instead leave them be and allow them to naturally decompose over the winter into nutrient-rich organic matter. When I read this headline uh, from the AP, uh, I was like, I don't think people do that in Vancouver. And then I looked it up and like, sure enough, at cost, you can take your leaves somewhere and they basically stick them in a landfill. So that's so interesting to me. So, um, the, the author gives a lot of con- considerations. Obviously, you don't want to just leave a bunch of leaves on the, yeah, in a place where there's a tripping hazard. Uh, but then she mentioned, like, for example, her first solution was she used to shred the leaves uh, with a mulching mower and allow the fragments to, to fall between the, glass, the grass blades. Uh, but apparently she found that that was actually doing some damage to, uh, you know, caterpillars, other you know, um, other insects. And Mm. so she recommends not doing that because obviously we need those insects and also the birds who eat those insects need them as well. Uh, So uh, just being really careful. So she suggests uh, she rakes or blows the leaves off the lawn and into garden beds and uh, spreads them to achieve a layer no more than two inches deep and to speed composition decomposition sometimes add an inch or so of homemade or well-sourced compost over the leaves uh and uh, apparently just let it sit and it breaks them down kind of becomes compost mulch for your garden kind of cool hey you know what's I interesting? I like it as an idea, definitely. Um, yeah, especially because yeah. I didn't realize how big the problem was about people's leaves in backyards. I don't know what I thought, but I thought of it more similar to, you know, what you do with your snow. You just uh, move it around and then it disappears. Mm. <laughs> well, I, I think part of <laughs> that problem, not the case. too, is simply the fact that um, 
I wonder if neighbors get bothered, right? If it's blowing around, it's a bit different than snow because, oh, well, eventually it'll melt. And uh, Susan Kearney, as you as you mentioned at the top, Grant, had mentioned this to us, keep them there, leave them there. They're, that bed, particularly for the insects, um, for the decomposing that will happen, but it protects them so much because they're able to use that for their hibernation. And it's really a cool kind of thing. It's very funny, but I have to wonder how many people live in those neighborhoods. You know, Grant, it's nice what you do with the leaves, but uh, not in this neighborhood. We've talked about yeah, that. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that's absolutely fair that sometimes people do... Uh, quote unquote unusual things with their gardens that may actually be better for for nature but they're not so good for the general living quality of the the neighborhood and that's that's absolutely fair yeah leaves are funny fair. because we like the sound of them to walk on we love the smell of them and stuff like that but as they start decaying even after the snow or you get a, some warm days in january february ew what is all that you know i i it's a very interesting response to something that at in fall oh it's so nice they're so beautiful oh what a nice bed of leaves watch out for the lice you know or whatever <laughs> yeah probably just goes back to an idea that uh, and i've i've heard this too that certain practices uh like the idea of keeping a lot of grass around that takes so much water and whatever uh can actually be quite wasteful so it seems like there's maybe some more research study thought to be put into how to have like a sustainable backyard that is also still livable for humans you know nice smelling walkable but maybe a little bit more sustainable for the ecosystem and that that sounds like the interesting uh something to explore more for yeah. sure for sure where do you want to go now sir so uh this is kind of an interesting one uh there's a new study that suggests there could be a link between oral birth control and how the brain uh regulates some emotions like fear uh, so it turns out that the most common type of that oral contraceptive is made of, of synthetic uh, sex hormones, which prevent pregnancy if taken correctly. Uh, but according to the study, those same hormones are known to modulate the brain's fear process. And so the research suggests long-term use could exacerbate how fear is regulated in some people giving them more anxiety-related symptoms such as heartbeat awareness, sympathetic nervous system activities, and unpredictable uh, aversions, basically. Uh, and they found uh, by comparing people who took these uh, uh, pills with those who didn't and uh, men as well, that people who took the oral contraceptives had a thinner ventral medial prefrontal cortex which uh regulates those emotions like fear they say they're not intending to like take away from all the stuff that we've gained regarding contraceptive research but are just um trying to advance women's health and learn some more kind of here i guess i guess if i had to basically sum up like my sort of thought from this study is um Essentially, essentially, I guess it's a good reminder to just be open with any of your heterosexual partners and don't like just expect necessarily, you know, the 
the woman to just kind of handle these things if it doesn't maybe particularly work for her, but really take that like equal equal care over your health care with both partners. And it seems like this is not something to like, you know, judge someone based on. It's just kind of a reminder that like, you know what, things work differently for different people and like, you know, pay attention to those side effects, that kind of thing. Our society is funny because as much as we say things have changed, they stay the same, Grant, and we know that um, when it comes to roles or where we're talking or being open with people, and I, I don't understand, I understand shyness, I understand, you know, some people, let's be legitimately fair, we're raised, maybe you don't talk about certain things, and unfortunately <laughs> that umbrella covers more than it's supposed to in their minds of, of being open and having clear lines of communication with someone, it's really tough, I'm sure, for some people to kind of get out of that, no matter how much we can read this, say, hey, you got to really try to be open. you got to talk. you got to be comfortable. Um, explain, not just explain yourself. I'm sorry. I don't necessarily like the idea to excuse ourselves or, or have to be apologetic for who we are. Be clear. Be open. Don't feel you have to be ashamed. And folks, be open. Don't make someone feel that way. But also the favor has to be returned, doesn't it? Yeah, I, th I think that's definitely, definitely the idea. And just, I think, I guess kind of just putting it at a, a basic level, I think maybe there are, you know, a lot of, of dudes out there just kind of like, you know, you handle this, you know, you, you just... You can just take this pill, you know, I, this, mm -hmm. I'm going to kind of let you handle this. When in reality, like, it may not work for everybody. And I guess it's no. basically important just to be both totally open with each other about what works for you. And, and I think we found that with other things such as Norplan and things that, you know, people may, hey, this is going to be a godsend. This is going to be safety. This is going to use give protection to, you know, to the ladies out there. And, and some of the things that for some people, as we talk about with any medications... For somebody out there, it's not going to work for. It could put people in danger. We always hear about things. Um, you're hearing it a lot with certain, the you know, uh, diabetic or or diet medication oh gosh, or yes. you know stuff for for the virus. Of course, when when you know when we're worried about the pandemic, you know, well, what's that going to do? And people can say, oh no, no, it's the best thing. Get your flu shot. Unfortunately, there are people who can't. You know, there are people who are allergic to something and there are people who it could be fatal. And when you're saying, seeing a lot of people taking something and you're saying, hey, it's good for you. Yeah, let's hope for most. But unfortunately, that's not the true case of it all, Grant. Um, anywhere else you want to go, sir? Uh, that is a good question. Well, um, even with that item, did you have, uh, did you have anything? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's so... I guess essentially there's there's no perfect drug where if if you're no. looking at the side effects for something, you know, a drug that's literally supposed to prevent, you know, nausea will say like in a small number of people, this makes you nauseous. Yes. And you're like, wait yeah. a second, what? But I, I guess it's just one of those reminders that like, you know, we're, we're all essentially bundles of, chemicals and and compounds and all we can do is take these things that are supposed to regulate us but sometimes those uh just don't work perfectly or appropriately well, and we're i don't want to say delicate but we are a very unique each one of us our own individual self 
we're unique in our own way and the way our bodies function. There's so many things that happen in our bodies we have no clue of. How can anyone else know through an examination or whatever? We, we know a medication generally, and that is our big word, generally works this way and does this and doesn't have complications. Oops. Well, like I said, uh, it's general. <laughs> and it is so tough because all of us run into stuff that we can't use, we can't take. That's why there's different versions of it, whether it's allergy, whether it's dangerous. It, it, it's, it's not an unusual thing, is it? Correct. Yeah, it's it's one of those things uh, that I guess is often kind of swept under the rug, especially thinking about these these things that are sort of you know literally being prescribed off label where it's mm -hmm. like this this isn't supposed to have this particular effect that it actually has but because we've kind of found that it does have that effect um we're gonna uh, go ahead and pre uh, prescribe that so that, that's oh, certainly pretty. yeah something worth further exploration maybe something you know one day heaven forbid ai helps us out with this well, we know that AI is being used to suggest this would be the best medication for you <laughs> already. And how many of us do we believe that? Do we want to believe it? And again, resistance is king, of course, with us. And it is wise to know. It is wise to question and to also believe, hey, man, I'm trying something new. There is going to be stuff down the road I'm going to hear. And hopefully, hopefully I come out on the other end okay from it. And I think that's a lot of it. It's hope and belief, Grant. Thanks, pal. Mm. Thanks. Grant Hardy with us. He'll be back in just a while here on the program as we navigate our way through the day. Go check on rum status. You know, I said about that last hour. Yeah, you know what might be. Come on. Fell asleep over there. On the other side of the break, the 2023 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. It happened last Friday. Corinne Van Dusen recaps the event during our entertainment report in a couple of moments. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. Check some things out on AMI-audio, folks, when you have time. You don't want to miss it. Catch the pulse. Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. This week, Joyita speaks to Paralympian and politician Michelle Stilwell. This is the second of a three-part series profiling the 2023 inductees for the Canada Hall of Fame, Disability Hall of Fame. That's the Pulse this Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on AMI-audio and, of course, on YouTube and your favorite podcast platform. Kelly McDonald here this afternoon here for Kelly and Rumya. Uh, just having some tech problems. We'll see if we can get Rum back. Uh, but Grant Hardy will be returning to the program and joining us in a little while as well. But right now, it's time to settle in and have a little entertainment talk. We do this bi-weekly talk every two weeks with Corinne Van Dusen. Hi, I'm Corinne Van Dusen. Join me as we dive into the latest entertainment stories from music, television, and movies here with Kelly and Ramya. So as sports fans, we hear a lot about Cleveland and how great that downtown area is. Have you been down there, Corinne, and have you been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? That I would like to get to. 
Well, have you I'm been sorry, there, Kelly? I missed that. No, <laughs> I, I have not, but I've heard it's an amazing downtown. I've heard how great the the, 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 the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is. Like it's, And again, I don't know, when I first heard it was going to open, you get the idea of classic rock. That's all I, 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 I thought when they were going to do it, as I'm sure a lot of people have. But all I hear are these great things. And today in our conversation that we're going to start off with as we talk about the 2023 um, induction last Friday night and these great artists, it was full of fantastic performances as the hall did something again, a little different. But I say different, but it should be expected as they celebrate a strong representation of women and black artists. You want to talk about who some of the performers were that were there? Yes, it was a grand night indeed for a show of uh, diversity, as you just said, a strong representation of women and black artists. So the show opened with Cheryl Crow, who was being inducted. She took to the stage with Olivia Rodrigo. And when performances happen there, usually a lot of musicians come in to uh, help sing things. So Stevie Nicks. Uh, joined her and Peter Frampton. So uh, that's that's pretty hard rocking, as they would say. <laughs> Gosh, what, uh, what a sound that would have made, right? With those mm-hmm. voices. Oh, or yeah. playing. Yeah. All of them playing, all of them singing would have been amazing. Another, um, another amazing thing, Shaka Khan was uh, inducted and Sia and her and uh, Common all came together to sing stuff with Shaka Khan. So they had the absolute, it would have been amazing to see the, I feel for you, ain't nobody sweet thing. And then of course you can't have Shaka Khan without I'm every woman. And that apparently brought everyone to their feet. It was just, you know, it it was the the party atmosphere that you needed. Wow. That's incredible. Rum joins us uh, back here on the program. Hello. And and I just, uh, (laughs) I, I find this so fantastic when we talk about the Hall of Fame, Rumya, because it's just so powerful and now diverse. I was going to say, and diverse doesn't just mean um, like representation of uh, BIPOC and, um, you know, all of these different like actual population, but even just the music. Right. And we've talked about this for years with both of you, Corinne and Kelly, uh, that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is just more than rock and roll. Now, when Missy Elliott got inducted, that's when I was like mm-hmm. super excited and she was super excited, too. We're all we were all like, really? And uh, now we're seeing it in, in all these different contexts with the performances, with everything, Corinne. Yes, definitely. And Elliott's performance was one of the ones that uh, it closed the show. And uh, if you've heard any of Missy Elliott's music, it's absolutely phenomenal. And she actually performed, yeah, she performed at Barclays Center. So she wasn't in Cleveland, but uh, so she performed in New York, at Brooklyn. Um, and, you know, they she beamed in in a spaceship. There was smoke machines. There was dancing like you got a Missy Elliott concert to end a huge concert. Oh my gosh. And it turned the corner on everything that got done for, with the hall. In my opinion, you know, I'm not saying the folks at the hall don't have that open mind, okay? Obviously, they do as to what this hall is to be. But that for so many people who probably expected when it began, oh, it'll be all that classic rock celebration. It's everything. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame rolls off the tongue better than the music hall of fame the the yeah, general the instrumentation of, fame. of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. for sure oh my so god so i think it's Who just a name 
a name that's been around forever and now, but yeah. yes, now it is encompassing more than just quote unquote rock and roll with all the different genres of music going in there now. Yeah. For sure. Sure. Who are the new inductees? Well, if you think the Oscars are long, you got to go to a rock and roll hall of fame. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, that's terrible. Okay. Oh man. Okay. So this year, Cheryl Crow, Kate Bush, Rage Against the Machine were inducted, and they actually had uh, rapper Ice-T induct them. Uh, Kate Bush, uh, who became famous again, she had a song <laughs> running up that hill in Stranger Things, so a lot more people know her again. George Michael, uh, his former bandmate Andrew Ridgely from Wham! He called George one of the greatest singers of all time. Missy Elliott, Willie Nelson, The Spinners. And then, recognized for their musical influence, were DJ Curl Herc and Link Gray, Shaka Khan, Al Cooper, and Bernie Toppin were honored for their musical excellence. Elton John actually came out of retirement to induct to induct Bernie Toppin because they were longtime songwriting partners. Well, yeah. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, though. We still have to caveat that. It's so funny. Uh, that's awesome. Any other inductees? Sorry, I cut you off. Uh, and, and Don Cornelius received the Emmett uh, uh, Agen Award as well. He was the he's the late host of Soul Train. So nice. nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is great. There's this side of it. And then there's also this other side where, uh, well, first of all, where can we watch the ceremony? Can we watch it anywhere? Yeah, you're going to watch highlighted performance. So you're not going to okay. have to sit through the entire thing. ABC is going to air it uh, on January 1st. Um, and I believe online you'll be able to find it through the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame website. Okay, perfect. And then there was a big cause being, um, I guess, recognized throughout as well. Um, or was this a different? I'm sorry, I'm 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 like lost on my yeah. script. Okay, this is a whole different thing. Let's talk. <laughs> okay. okay. And the cause is music, right? And, and everyone uh, together. That's what it was. It was a transition <laughs> I was doing. So good. Okay, Matthew Perry. We're gonna bring him back because. There's a foundation that was named after him. It was established basically uh, within a week of his death to talk about addiction. Yep. So they issued a statement about that. And the statement says, in the spirit of Matthew Perry's enduring commitment to helping others struggling with the disease of addiction, Mm. we embark on a journey to honor his legacy by establishing the Matthew Perry Foundation. It's guided by his own words and experiences and driven by his passion for making a difference in as many lives as possible. This is um, huge. I know that he was doing a lot of work beforehand, uh, just coming out, talking about things, getting on all these different interviews and really just even exploring all the controversies that people had to say. Like he really did some tough interviews uh in that last couple of years of being open about it um and it's i'm sure stop i'm sure it was difficult for him it was difficult to listen to definitely what has he said about it can you give give us some highlights well uh, did you discuss the friends lovers and the big terrible thing i i've been discussing it just in every conversation because i read it and really enjoyed it Yes. So that's where he really, really opened up with his struggle with addiction to prescription painkillers and alcohol. Um, The book was really where he told his story about spending millions of dollars on rehab, how many Vicodin tablets he was taking per day, and how long he spent in a coma after a near-death experience. Mm -hmm. So he came Mm. out and talked about, you know, 
I've been through this. These are the low times you can get through this. One of the things that he um, he said in an interview, uh, to quote him, he said, to get one person to ask me if I can help them stop drinking, I say yes and follow it up. That's more important than any run on friends. That's what I hope when I die is what people talk about. Mm -hmm. So uh, kind of a, you know, eerie quotation to have before when he was talking about his book. But he was the the kind of person to say, you know, everyone can go through this. This is what happened to me. And if you need help and I see you like, you know, never uh, feel too afraid to reach out for help. Right. And it was so hard because he was talking to people who genuinely don't even believe of addiction, believe in addiction as a disease. And he was going from there, you know, trying to meet people that, yes, it is. And it, it, the first drink is all it takes and all these different things about rehab centers and how effective they are and what support systems should look like. And his own journey with that was just so long, Corinne. Like it was years and years and years. Oh, yeah. We didn't even know what was going on with him. Yep. And he dives into to everything in the book, as you said. It's really, really uh, comprehensive mm -hmm. of him telling his story about everything. Uh, he was actually about 18 months sober when he passed. So he was uh, doing the book tour and talking about everything and uh, helping people through there. So now there is a foundation set up in the LA area to uh, you know help people who have addiction and um, you know, they're, they're going to be there for people to go to. Great. Okay. Absolutely. Fantastic. That's what we want. Uh, Coldplay is asking fans to sing. Ah, uh, What's going on here? <laughs> they want us as backup. Well, maybe not me, but they want you of out there, you. folks, as a backup singer. <laughs> ah, uh, it's a different yeah. kind of ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got you got to sing it in the key of G or C. Right. So. <laughs> and you can do any octave. Um, they're going to use it on a track called One World. Um, Chris Martin, the lead singer, has recorded an example. So, uh, yeah, they just want you to say they ah. <laughs> There's rules for it. Uh, you got to be 18 years old. You can't sing any words or phrases. And you must let them know if you would like a credit on the track's digital booklet. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine how long that will end up? Because who wouldn't say, <laughs> yeah, I'd like my ah uh, recognized. Um, well, how can you? Sorry, go ahead. Chris Martin is kind of known as a perfectionist. So oh, I kind of wouldn't be surprised yeah. if some people were like, thanks. I don't. I yeah. don't know if they're gonna, you know, call them and say thanks, but no thanks. But yeah. with uh, with his known as being a perfectionist within music, that everything might. But I think that's why it's a digital book. They're not gonna yes. like. It's not gonna be a print, but you're gonna be scrolling for quite a while. <laughs> Four thousand names, or if he's so picky, three. Uh, yeah. How do you do this? How do you become this backup singer? You can go to oneworld.coldplay.com. And that's where you will find Chris Martin's example of uh, what to sing. And you can record yourself through there. And, you know, maybe on your resume, you can put a credit as a background singer for Coldplay. <laughs> uh, is this something you're going to do? I am not. No. <laughs> I am not because I... How I, do you make your awe stand out? Like, yeah. yeah. And, you know, hitting oh, a, a certain key. Like, I'm I'm a karaoke that's my problem. girl. Like, oh, I, 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 couldn't do it. It. I couldn't do it in that sense because I don't think you need it to stand out. Wrong. They just... Because I think they'd love to have 100 if we did it right. I think that would be the thing mm, for yeah. them is how many people are going to do Kelly style. Uh, maybe this one. Uh, maybe this uh, one. Uh, <laughs> how many takes? Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> it's a different vibratos and, and strengths of vibrations and tones. And I just, I'm imagining all the stuff that's going to come out on social media of people's awes and yeah. what they've done. It's going to be brilliant. Yeah, I thought it was a great idea to bring uh, bring people together in uh, in this uh, digital age to be on right. a song. You know, no, payment. no, no, no payment. No payment. Oh, gosh, no, not with those 400,000 <laughs> uh, or three. Um, I'd uh, be so credit. skeptical, though. If somebody's awe sounds too good, I'm like, what did they do to process this? <laughs> I don't believe this is your real awe. Uh, <laughs> this is an AI. Uh, this is an AI. Uh, <laughs> Corinne, it's so cool to just to hear the band really mentioned. I haven't heard a lot of Coldplay, but here we are, tongues wagging. Not to say the band disappeared or anything like that, but nice for them to kind of say, "Yeah, we want you all uh, involved." Talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kelly. Uh, there you go. That's my audition. <laughs> See? I'm sending that in. We'll Guys, check the notes. That. We'll check the Let's note. send it in. <laughs> Thanks, Corinne. Thank you. We do this every other week. Opposite Greg David, Corinne Van Dusen has our entertainment report here on the program. Coming up in just a couple of moments, more than 200 Vernon, B.C. students pay respects to fallen veterans in a unique way. Bill Shackleton, he'll tell us a lot more about it on The Buzz next. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Ramya Muth and Kelly McDonald. We are the hosts of Kelly and Ramya. Welcome back to the program on your Wednesday. So you all settled back in? As much as I can be before you boot me out again. Yeah, like you're here for just like a, what do they say? Just a, like a, a brief moment? A, a, a cup of coffee? Of time? Oh, yeah. Exactly. Well, well it's been nice well, chatting you with now. you. I was going to say, for all the stress you've been through, you'll go for a second cup of coffee for the uh, first time. Because I know I haven't you even finished my first cup yet. Uh, my only goodness. one a day, right? I've been Still? pacing it. I knew that the tech gremlins would be around, and so I've been sipping slowly. Still only one a day. Mm-hmm. I can't Shaq? do two. I'm off the walls Bill after Shackleton, the first cup. Uh, Billy Shackleton joins us. Shaq, do you think she still only does one a day? For real? Like, you, you buy It's not this? even a full cup, by the way. It's like those two. I don't know my ounces, but it's the half cup version. What's that mean, Bill? Six ounce? Uh, six ounce, I think, yeah. Or six, six, yeah, I, depending yeah. on how big your glass is, I don't know. I was going to say, it's less than the amount of wine I pour in my glasses. So. Oh, my good heavens. Anyway, Bill, welcome back to the show. <laughs> Not uh, for the show, just, you know, in general. Oh, I'm glad you came up with that. I didn't even think about that. Gee, Bill, we're slow on the draw today here. Good heavens, you and I should have been all over that one. Oh, is that what you do before the show? It's is that why Wednesday. you were gone for half of it so far? Mm, well, you sure? hey, that's that's what I'll be doing on the day of the party. Oh, oh yeah, Christmas party. This guy will, will you'll do what? Drink before the Christmas party? It's a lunchtime no. party, man. Guys, no, we no, we can't go here. It's only Wednesday. Tell us about yeah. Remembrance Day and what's going on. Okay, it's a long way from from drinking. I can yeah, tell you that clearly. Um, well, it is Bill, and this is Rumya. So what? A long way? Two hours? I, anyway, Shaq, I go guess, ahead. <laughs> More than 200 Vernon, B.C. students pay respect to fallen veterans in a unique way. Global News brings us this story. So this project is called the No Stone Left Alone. And it's been going on for eight years. And in the last two days, um, a thousand, over 1,020 poppies were actually, well, 
put on graveyard, grave marker stones that students visited. So the idea of this is that, you know, we all go to memorial services, but how much do we know about the actual soldiers? I mean, mm -hmm. we don't have any idea. We don't right. know the families. We don't know how the families felt. We don't know. So the, the students are required to research the soldiers, research the families, so that it they get a better idea, um, you know, of of what maybe what life was like, and it has more of an impact to them when they know more about um, the actual soldiers that they're researching. Mm. And it was, uh, you know, in watching the video, it was very interesting. Uh, some of the students were actually very up. Some of them were crying, and they were like, they didn't realize. Um, you know, I mean, when, when you, when you actually know these people, um, it, it, it hits close to home. And, you know, one of the students, her, I think it was her brother is stationed in Quebec and, you know, these, and, and the hope is that these students will grow up and teach their kids, um, about the, the importance of, of honoring, um, not just our veterans, but soldiers from other countries that Everywhere. and what they did and, and that sort of thing. And it's interesting because so many of us have our, I, I don't want to say our war, but uh, we have our memory growing up. Obviously, I heard a lot, not that I was around for World War One or two, but that and the Korean War and, and Vietnam, which I would have some of my life I was around for. But it, the conflict that I know of most Due to the people I knew most, whether it be teachers or that that um, you know were involved in World War II and on you know the far the retirement almost side of of their career, who would share with us some of the things. So I can't even imagine when you talk about students who were or students, excuse me, um, soldiers that were in Kabul or 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 in Afghanistan in any capacity and moving forward to to um, anything that the conf the present conflicts even. So you think about these graves, you think about meeting family and stopping, and you think, well, so many of the soldiers aren't, their family members too, aren't around. But we have so many people now that are stationed in places, so many families now that are saying, wait a minute, pal, my uncle, my brother, you know, passed away in Afghanistan. And I certainly think it's very interesting when we have what we relate to, and I, it's all fine. It's relative. It's important. We we know of it. We think about the loss. We recognize what the soldiers have done. And like you said, Billy, and I think so key, not just Canadian, abroad, not not just our neighbors to the south, but abroad. Really important. Yeah. And, and the thing is, it's not just World War II anymore, as you say, no. because it's easy to forget. Now we've got other wars going on yeah. and we're, you know, we're involved in... Uh, Afghanistan and and I guess a few other places. So this goes on and on. I mean, I it isn't it isn't easy to forget. I no. mean, it, it's happening now. And it's just the understanding. It's more than just particular events, right? It's exactly. the understanding of the sacrifices, of the PTSD, of the lives that people have put themselves through for a bigger picture. And and I mean, I do really respect that we're having a lot more of these nuanced conversations about not just war, not just conflict, not just everything that's out there and, and who we need to recognize, but actually 
where we find it, what our intentions are around Remembrance Day. So yesterday, Grant and I were talking to our um, uh, friends, students from W. Ross McDonald School, and they've created these unique individualized uh, land acknowledgements, right? And land acknowledgements, I'm drawing the parallel because it's a similar conversation. Like, you know, we can say from one side of the spectrum to who cares, to the other side of the spectrum we're say, where we're saying, why do I need to pay attention? What is it that I'm really recognizing? And make it a very individual uh, perspective, right? Or understanding and learning. Each year, these things come around. Remembrance Day comes around. Truth and Reconciliation comes around. And how are we connecting back, right? Is it just another day? Is it just another day off? Or is it something that we can honestly connect to? And I think this example, this story, is clearly painting the picture that these students are researching about these individuals. They're going physically to mark their graves with the poppy. They're taking part in the day. It's huge. There's no more, it's not as much dictation as to what we should think, what we should feel, mm -hmm. how we should go out and honor. We asked Ted that yesterday on the program during our conversation, and I really like, we are doing good things. We are, because the reality is just like Day of Truth and Reconciliation. We've asked the same question. What should we be doing? And any little thing. Yeah. That makes you stop and and you'll know the thing because of how it hits home to you, Bill. Mm. Yeah, that's right. You don't need someone to say, you know, Bill, you should be thinking about World War II and this date or this event. Like Ramya said, it's more what, like I can't even the imagine when you talk about it being at a cemetery, putting poppies on graves and thinking, read that grave, read, yep. read the stone. Yeah. Who and, are you connecting with right now? You're literally yeah. connecting with another human being. Yeah, because they've somehow, maybe their story, their family, their whatever, mm -hmm. where they're from, whatever it might be, touched you, but it brings the realization home. Yep. So our next thing. Yep. Next thing, she sacrificed her youth to get the tech bros to grow up. This comes from Wired Magazine, a very interesting story. Um, as a young industrial designer, uh, Patricia Moore um, undertook a radical experiment in aging um, to help um, to help others. So basically, in in uh, 1979, uh, she was working in a as a, as a uh, um, industrial designer for a company in New York. And basically what happened was she um, realized that her grandmother had trouble opening a fridge. So basically what she, she went to the meeting and she said, well, why don't we design a fridge that elderly people can open? Um, so they said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. You know, we don't design appliances like that for elderly people. Um, so she decided to go undercover. So you're not going to believe this. Um, for three years, she went undercover, disguised herself as an elderly person. She wore her grandmother's pillbox hat, glasses, orthopedic shoes, and gloves to hide her youthful hands, and even wow. put wax in her ears <laughs> to mimic what it was like, what loss, it would be yeah. like to be deaf. Yeah. 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 So she would go out and... And basically, she tried to buy clothes. Well, we don't make clothes for elderly people. 
she wanted to buy appliances. Well, this appliance isn't very good for elderly people. So she wrote, she took note of all of these things. And so she would go on speaking engagements and she would basically expose all the prejudices that she experienced as a, as a, as, as an elderly person, even though she was young. So she visited 116 cities in 14 states and two Canadian provinces. Wow. And basically when people, she made people realize all the things that elderly, they, they couldn't imagine all the obstacles that elderly people face. And mm. she made them realize that this reality, and this is what I've experienced as as an elderly person, of course, she wasn't elderly at all, but she actually um, has formed a company called, um, and I, I believe it's called Universal Design, and she wrote a book called The Skies, where she put in that all all the things that she experienced as a quote unquote undercover, if you know, a, an elderly lady, when of course she wasn't. It's so interesting to hear about this as an, I'm calling it an experiment, but you know what I mean, as a testimonial for universal design because she just went out there and did it this way. Yeah. Oh, you, yeah. you know, it's the same things that we hear, similar um, experiences of, hey, I know someone in my life and I see that they were going through this. I wonder what it would be like and then took that as a passion project. But she took it to another level, obviously. She and then sure did. <laughs> she mm -hmm. found out yeah. so <laughs> much just by pretending to be old and really in uh, embodying what it would be like to live this way. Not just, hey, I'm old and I'm, uh, I've got a disguise on, but what does that imply? What does this mean for my hearing, for my dexterity, for my uh, fashion sense, for how people treat me? And, you know, this is just obvious stuff because we live with disabilities and we can tell people this is what we go through. But for someone who doesn't have the experience to try to embody it and then communicate with people, the features of the world and what needs to change in order to make this person's life quality is huge. It's just humongous. I'm so curious about the book. Well, I find it yeah. fascinating on the level of when we talk about our disability, the three of us, we're blind, low vision. We can relate to that. Other people might relate to being in a wheelchair or hearing deficit or a larger person, smaller person, whatever we might say, it's hard to buy clothes for whatever, but this is seniors. This is the biggest, if you want to say, um, group in the world in time because we all get there and there's this much, oh, no, this won't work for you. Oh, no, we don't yeah. make stuff to fit you. These It's kind of scary when you think about all the things we say. I wish people would think of people with disabilities. I, I, and, and we're talking a, a community that we all join at some point in our life, obviously, if we're lucky to, to make it that far. Fascinating, Bill. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bill Shackleton will be back tomorrow with more on the buzz. Check out the Best of the Buzz podcast out there available using your favorite podcast platform. Rum, uh, you get some time. Well, okay. You get some more time off. <laughs> oh, thanks. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. You have a great second hour with you and Grant. Grant Hardy joins us in a couple of moments, as well as Kevin Shaw, who will join us to continue our series on business etiquette with a focus on digital etiquette in the workplace. And... 
Day of the Dead, as Ramya mentioned earlier, in Mexico, just past last week, we speak about this holiday and all its picturesque scenes with audio describer J.J. Hunt. But up next, there's a trivia night taking place in Winnipeg with proceeds going to Vision Impaired Resource Network. Community reporter Vic Pereira is here with the details, along with Grant, to kick off Hour 2. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Kelly and Ramya. This is the second hour of the program. Remember, you can find us 2 p.m. Eastern Time. And that's on AMI-tv across Canada. On AMI-audio at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, repeats of the show on both networks, 10 p.m. Eastern, 1 a.m. on the TV side at AMI-tv, and AMI-audio has us for you at 6 a.m. in the morning in case you get up and just want to listen along. Check us out any way that's best for you, and we'll tell you later on, of course, that you can subscribe to the podcast. Telling now, I guess, but uh, go ahead at your convenience. That's a lot to take in. Also, let's take in the company that we have for hour number two, Oh, I'm not sure Grant can hear me at the moment. So, um, guys, I, I'm going to assume Grant can't. Okay, we're having some tech issues, so we're going to move on and bring Vic in as we welcome Vic Pereira in to talk a little bit about things going on in the Winnipeg area. Welcome back, Vic. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Everything's hanging in out that way. Now, is there snow on the ground yet? Has there been? There was snow on the ground. I've actually shoveled two or three times, but it rained yesterday, which cleaned up quite a bit of it. So I hope it doesn't freeze. Uh, yes, of course, that's the, that's definitely the issue that we all think about. Uh, I know some miserable weather here today, and that's the thing you think, if I've got to go out and stroll around, trouble. Vic, let's start with uh, CNIB Brandon, Manitoba Yoga. Um, I, I've never really experienced any yoga. I always have wanted to check it out because obviously we know the benefits. Yeah, I haven't experienced yoga specifically myself. I know uh, back when there were a lot of lockdowns, they tried virtual sessions in Winnipeg with uh, limited success. And now Brandon, which is a couple hours outside of Winnipeg here in southern Manitoba, they're doing in-person sessions. And I hope that it's successful enough and that it will come here. Because I, I just moved to a new place this month. And after lugging boxes and going up and down and waking up with a few stiff mornings, I, for one, could <laughs> use the benefits of yoga. Grant, have you ever done yoga? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? There we got you, pal. We uh, got you. Vic, great to chat with you, though. And I was thinking the same thing because one of the things that was just so frustrating during the pandemic as all like all these virtual events, which you can't blame anyone for having. It's super important that we had them, but kind of stoked that we can get back into these uh, in-person uh, yoga. I don't know if you're planning on uh, attending this. I think you said you were, but uh, I've always wanted to do yoga. So the fact that there's this accessible experience coming up in, in Manitoba seems really valuable and it's for a good cause, right? Unfortunately, I won't be in Brandon because it's kicking off on Thursday evening. So that's, I'm hoping they're successful and they extend it to Winnipeg, like Brett Claghorn is the organizer of this. Uh, because I know for me, a Zoom session for yoga would not work because I would miss a lot of the visual cues. Back in the old days when I was involved with track and field and goalball and other activities, 
I, I need somebody sometimes to push me through that physical and show me what I'm supposed to be doing physically. Yeah, I mean that hand motion, I, that that movement. Yeah. Um, because it's so true. And and the person doing it, I'm kind of curious, is it a voluntary thing? Because I know a lot of people who instruct yoga really obviously have that passion for it, but they recognize how important it is to give that experience to others as, as kind of a giving back. Yeah, the instructor is certified, but the, the people helping uh, everyone through the motions are volunteers. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's so interesting because I always find just following up with some of our old, like even story leads from back in the day, like a wrestling team that we did a story about and they're like, Oh, during COVID we switched to zoom. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like that just seems so un un unmotivating. And like, I'm kind of trying to imagine this with yoga, but part of it is just the social aspect. Hey, like the, the idea that not only do you get the moves, but people are like kind of pushing you like, come on, Vic, you know, let, let's, yeah. let's do this. I don't know if we've sort of talked about the, the fundraising aspect of this event as well. It, it's not a fundraiser. The, oh, the I'm sorry. You're, no. you're absolutely correct. I mentioned that a couple of times and I am incorrect. <laughs> we it, do have a fun. It, we do go ahead. Grant. You go it, ahead the next activity is a fundraiser. Um, yeah, there you go. And this one is a really fun one, and it's a trivia night coming up in November. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, it's trivia night for the Vision Impaired Resource Network, Vern. It's going to be hosted by Devil May Care Brewing. It's one of the local microbreweries. A lot, the microbrewery culture, they seem to support a lot of these uh, grassroots type of uh, charities you know, mm -hmm. that are out there in the community, and they're hosting the trivia event for Vern. And I already have my team together, but we haven't come up with a name yet. And it'll be Monday, Monday night on uh, November the 20th at their location on Fort Street and York, right at the corner there. Very accessible by bus. And uh, even if you have ambulatory disabilities, it's zero grade entry. Also, they've said the Trivia Master will not have any pictures or photos. So it'll be just all music and questions so it'll be accessible to as many people as possible i just i dig these less structured events you know like it's such a great way to bring people together lots of time for questions and stuff too but like lots of times just to chat and you know have a, have a couple drinks get to know people too and i think that's one of the the best parts really of something like this that's a, a little more uh you know maybe informal and the microbreweries have a family culture because they, you know, they don't have video games or video terminals, lottery terminals. It's a family atmosphere. There's, you know, as well as making beer, they do have lots of non-alcoholic options and, and snacks. And it's, it's a great venue and a great bunch of people working in that industry. So I, bl I believe you, we mentioned, uh, so the proceeds go to Vision Impaired Resource network is that correct and i don't know if you've you've uh, interacted yes. with them much there in, in manitoba but uh, it sounds like a really great yeah they're, they're really a, great cause. organization and they do one-on-one -on -one training for you know uh, university students or people wanting to learn the technology of iphone they do some travel training whether you use a mobility cane or a guide dog they, they help out in, in that area lots of peer support especially for people just coming out of hospital experiencing vision loss they, they have a lot of people there to help. And some of the, some of the uh, 
little things like helping around the house, organizing the wardrobe. Maybe if you want to do a little bit of kitchen, uh, cooking in the kitchen, they, they help out with, with that as, as well. They're, they're an I excellent organization. Uh, well, peer support's so hard because you go from, like you just said, Vic, things like helping in the tea somebody learn how maybe they're more nervous of the heat maybe they just don't know mm. how to convert what they knew before you know as a sighted person if they if they've uh, suffered vision loss but i think it's just the everyday things you want to say that you find yourself getting frustrated alone the time on your own thinking and wondering what's the future and I know as someone trying to support people in that position, as somebody working with people and giving them that peer support, mm -hmm. it can be tough on us too because sometimes you forget, you know, you forget what it was like. You may not even be able, if you've been low vision or blind or disabled all your life, to be able to have that understanding that this person may be fearful of walking up and down their hallway to get exercise because there's a mat on the floor or something like that in front of someone's door and they think, good gracious, I don't want to, I don't want to trip and fall where the rest of us may say, ha, if you fall, you'll stop at the floor. No big deal. Yeah, well, <laughs> to somebody, it's well, a big deal, right? I, I have lots of lived experiences. And then my, my rule is keep, please keep the doors all the way open or closed. And that includes for cupboards mm. as well. I, <laughs> I have left lots of DNA around the, around the globe. <laughs> what, why is that such a hard concept for like our friends and family to understand? Like, can exactly. we, it, how is this beneficial for you, you know, to leave this covered halfway open? But it, it's so true though. It's all about like meeting people where they're at, right? It's so easy just to be like, how can you not have the skill? But then you turn around and there's a skill that, that you don't have that they have and i would imagine i love like manitoba i have family from there too but i would imagine it's one of those places where you really kind of have to develop those skills and be around people as much as possible just because there's so so cold and so much snow on the ground at this time of year yes yes and i do have stories of trying to operate a motorized snowblower and ending up with a wider driveway in the winter than i have in the summer just because I don't know what stops. <laughs> that sounds really fun. <laughs> yeah, I had a friend that ended up across the street and stopped it and turned it off. I said, where am I? And someone said, across the street. What? Where's my house? <laughs> a bit, can we just go over that once again, location, all this stuff? And uh, it sounds like what a teams of six, right, is as large as they yeah. want you to have. Yeah, teams of six, because that's an easy number to interact with when you're at the table. Mm -hmm. It's at Devil May Care Brewing, located in downtown Winnipeg at the corner of Fort Street and York Avenue. And doors open at six, and the trivia event starts at seven o'clock. I mean, um, I'm just... What part, of, what part of trivia are you, like yours? Are you a sports person, Vic, or, or what, uh, when it comes to the no. questions? For, for me, it'd be, you know, Flintstone trivia. Maybe not Star Trek. <laughs> that that's not you, difficult. That's really hard about assembling a team because they don't give you an indi indication what the categories are going to be. Yeah, gee, I, I mean, uh, that's a tough one for me. Probably music or kind of nineties, two thousands pop culture. I I just I just feel let down that you don't have a team name yet because I really I really want to hear that. You gotta have like one or two ideas, you know, for a funny crazy team name not well, to put you on the spot at, here yeah because it's at a brewery one of the options is flight of minds <laughs> oh that's kind of cool i like it. a flight of beer a flight of minds that's awesome yeah yeah so that that's i think that's the top contender right now 
okay. Well, and that would be that team grant that he builds that has like a person who can talk sports, a person who knows history, a person who knows geography, so on, so on, so on. To make the six. I mean, that's just yeah, not what? fair. When you get that team where you happen to have <laughs> someone that knows everything on that team, and you're like, oh crap, we're all just like music people on this next team. Well, I'm lucky my it's, wife will be on my team because she's very good at 80s, 90s music as well as movies from decades as well. Sounds like a heck of a lot of fun. Well, maybe we'll let you go there, but thanks for bringing us up to speed there from Manitoba, Vic. Really appreciate it. Okay, thank that you. That was Winnipeg community reporter Vic Pereira. Folks, we step aside for a couple of moments and get ready. The images are coming our way, Grant, as we have Day of the Dead in Mexico just passed last week. And we're going to speak about this holiday and all its picturesque scenes with audio describer J.J. Hunt. It's monthly appearance next up. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. talk about here with Mr. Hardy as we settle back in continuing hour two of the program. JJ Hunt uh, was supposed to join us. We're having some troubles. They're having some electricity issues where he is in Mexico. Uh, we'll see if anything changes, but at the moment, got to put him on hold, Grant. So I, I'm sorry I had to tease you before the break telling you about all these images that he's going to paint for us and the pictures and descriptions. We may not get them today, but let's yeah. see what we, uh, what we can do. No worries. Um, we'll How's uh, this one going for you with this uh, this training and having fun for people wondering, you know, okay, Rummy was there. Okay, oh, no, well, sort of, you know, she's one of those days where she was in and out technologically. Uh, but you're joining us. This is the second day in a row and looking for the feedback. We'll get that to that kind of thing with you. But how has settling in as a co-host on the show been? Honestly, it's been a lot of fun. I feel like this is the... Kelly and Ramia sort of party, you know, that uh, I've gotten a VIP invite to. No, I'm kidding. No, it's been a, it's been a <laughs> lot of fun. It's it's a lot of work doing what you guys do every single day. Uh, you know, you guys, there's a lot of pressure you guys have. Uh, but hopefully it's been going well for you guys. And I feel like I'm kind of stepping into this not too bad here. Well, of course, we feel like we're not giving you some of the, the, the feedback or maybe even hopefully we're doing it, but uh, not intentionally not giving you some of maybe the support and guidance, but you're jumping right in here, feet right in full and, and doing a great job. Grant, people who have been following the show before we even went to uh, television and, and being mm -hmm. an audio show um, know that you're producing on the show, that you've come on and doing our headlines and report for us. So that's been what we what people who are familiar with our show know. But you, like Beth, also come from the history of AMI-TV. Not new to the block, you guys certainly aren't, doing AMI this week. I'm curious, with AMI Week being a distance away, a show that we still see on AMI-TV uh, in reruns, but for you, making this shift and doing things on a live basis, um, it's different, isn't it? It's different, and I have to tell you that I have just become so into this show this this really feels like family you know what you guys have here is is really cool and that live element like it it adds a little bit of pressure but i love that we can just get stuff out there we can get an interview on you know 
tomorrow and let people hear a guest who's who's really really cool and you know we just roll with it and in the end uh i think that everything usually works out great how about you you're also from the atw uh era there yeah. so for me grant because broadcasting has been something i've loved since i was a kid when i went to broadcast mm. radio school we did everything live of course it was what was in the blood i had to go the other way and learn how to take five, let's That's do that right. again, take 23, and kind of feel comfortable. Also, to worry about the background. Well, okay, stand over here because we want people to see that beautiful look behind you, Kelly. <laughs> Almost more important than you. But the bottom line <laughs> is, <laughs> as you made the shift, and, and I, I was, when we started, it was very new. AMI was new to doing the TV thing altogether when I started doing television. And mm -hmm. I didn't want to go out there and embarrass the company in any way. But I knew in my heart, I, I don't have any TV experience. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. So it was beyond mailing it in. You really just hoped and, and prayed. So got the experience, got to work on Blindsided, the, the show that the, we created and uh, started to evolve that into a series, um, come up with some ideas for shows, as well as be a reporter on, um, on uh, AMI This Week. And when I started, I was the national reporter, so I got to check out different places and go and report on some stuff. I, re I distinctly remember doing a blind hockey puck um, special, if you want to call it that, where we were following along the creation of a blind hockey puck, and I went to NC State in North Carolina, and it was just a whole bunch of stuff as we went for a few days to cover that, and, and some other events that were going on. So definitely had some experiences, and I think for yourself, you guys were in what I consider yourself, um, Bethany, Alex, uh, mm. you guys really had a, a job to do that was pretty phenomenal and unique. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the greatest things about AMI is that they they really try to represent every location. It'd be so easy just to do everything out, you know, out of Toronto, or whatever. But it's important to go to like Vancouver Island or Kelowna, you know, Brandon, Manitoba, wherever it is, and empower ourselves by learning about uh, a lot of cool and different stuff and that's that's the way that's the way we've been doing it for years it seems like it's worked out really well I think so. And it was a lot of fun and had uh, so much place to do. And right now we've got so many of these great relationships with production companies. We'll talk a little more about this with John Melville. He's on the program tomorrow uh, during yes. the roundtable. So got to kind of ask John a few questions along that line when we, when we get chatting with him. But it's tremendous to really stop and take those few moments. And Grant, one of the things since you and Beth have joined the team, we know that uh, in less than a month, we've got a particular event as we're so excited to talk a little bit about people being a part of a live studio audience, meaning the opportunity we have for this show, folks. We're taping a special episode of Kelly and Ramya, and it's going to be airing in prime time uh, at a future date. Hasn't been set yet. We're looking for around 50 individuals and Seats are filling up, folks. Uh, if you live in the Toronto area and would like to participate, email us at uh, info at uh, ami.ca, info at ami.ca, to, to hold a spot or to get at least some answers to your questions. We have some tremendous prizes. Example, five $50 Tim Hortons gift cards. We have, oh, I better not forget this one, folks, <laughs> two $500 Apple cards to give away, Ooh. and everybody also will receive a gift bag from us, you know, kind of some swag from the Kelly and Rumya show. But also why I'm bringing this up right now, 
um, is because Grant and Beth will be there. We'll talk more about that in a little while, Grant. I'd kind of love to know your feeling on that. But J.J. Hunt does join us from Mexico. J.J., I'm going to dive phone. right in with you, sir. Welcome. Where are you, anyway? Great. Can you got me, J.J.? We're trying. Uh, I'm in the city of Oaxaca, um, where Oaxaca. we have just experienced a power outage. So, you know, I had a beautiful setup inside my Airbnb. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, and then the power went out here in Oaxaca, Mexico. So I'm now outside with my cell phone uh, with, oh. with all of my neighbors. Everyone's trying to get some cell phone service. So oh, good to my chat good with you. Heaven. Hi, everybody. Uh, JJ, tell us about the scenery in Oaxaca. Like, I, 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 this is tremendous of what you're bringing us today. Let's see if he's got signal to hear me. JJ, you want to tell us a little bit about the scenery? I don't yeah, well, I Oaxaca is an, oh, an, amazing, an, an amazing city in, uh, in the south of Mexico, near uh, Acapulco, on that same coast. And uh, I'm in the... Uh, sounds, like I'm, sounds like I'm coming in and out, my friend. Sure yeah, does. You are. A little shaky, a little shaky. Sounds like I'm freezing up. Yeah. Oh, I can hear you. We got you now. You want to continue? So not far from Acapulco. <laughs> this is life on the road. You know, you, you try and be the, uh, you know, the reporter uh, away from home. And this is the kind of stuff you got to handle sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Oh, man. Okay. Well, we've got you now. I mean, it just... It's got to be hard being in Mexico, chilling out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, hey, can you? All right. Well, I'll do my best to describe a little bit of what a, of what Oaxaca is all about. Oaxaca is a, is the capital city. Uh, Oaxaca City is the capital of the, of the state of Oaxaca, and it's a, a beautiful city, packed with murals. There's a mural behind me. The buildings are all painted glorious colors. There are pinks and blues and turquoise buildings. And they're uh, hanging overhead right now are ribbons, ribbons that are uh, still left over as part of the decorations from Day of the Dead, which we've just explored and celebrated uh, here in Oaxaca and across Mexico. So it's an amazing city to explore visually. There's just so much going on. I've been here about two, two and a half weeks, and I haven't quote unquote done anything. I've just wandered around looking at, uh, at buildings, <laughs> taking pictures of street art, um, but I haven't done anything. I haven't gone to a museum. I have Well, that's not true. I did go to Mexican wrestling. I went to some Lucha Libre. So, uh, But aside from that, it's just been about uh, exploring and following the bands that are, uh, you know, parading around the city at night playing music and uh, it, it's 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 been extraordinary. I've been having a uh, having a blast, Kelly. How do how do we get this gig, Kelly? It it sounds I pretty know. sweet. I want <laughs> I know he does well. Hey, listen. Can you tell tell us a little bit about? And I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. The uh, ofrendas or all altars? Yeah, the that's right. The ofrendas. So for Day of the Dead. The, and again, this is, a, this is an outsider's point of view. I'm a Canadian, not a Mexican. This is an, an observational understanding of, of, of Day of the Dead. But the Day of the Dead centers around the idea that you can entice 
those who have passed, friends and family who have passed. You can entice them back to this mortal realm if you lay out an altar, a beautiful ofrenda. And so mm. people put ofrendas in their houses, in, in, in public squares, in, in, in their offices. And these are, um, yeah, small altars that are filled with very specific items. So you've got to have a photograph. Um, so that the person can can come through. You've got to have marigolds. Marigolds are a beautiful orange, like, you know, pom-pom bursts of, of, of flowers. They're just amazing, and they're all over the place. And you put uh, marigolds on the ofrenda. You make possibly make an arch out of marigolds. Um, and one of the things that that does is creates a, um, like a portal, a gateway between the afterlife and the mortal realm. And then you put wow, out some that's... of the favorite things of the people you're trying to get back for the night of celebration. So the favorite foods, the favorite drinks of people who have passed. And this will hopefully entice them back into your house or into the cemetery for one night of celebration. That's Day of the Dead. That's my understanding of Day of the Dead anyway. That's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. What would you compare this holiday to, JJ? Well, it's interesting. I mean, it's 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 starting to get a little bit of a mashup with Halloween, um, but that's not it. That's more about the some of the aesthetics that are that, that are crossing over more than the actual holiday itself. Like the the traditions of the holiday, this idea of of being able to celebrate with your uh, with loved ones who have passed is really quite lovely and 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 can be a little bit somber. But over time, what's happened is that it's become a massive party. And then the Halloween influence has come into it. So some people don't just dress up in traditional Day of the Dead uh, costumes or traditional Indigenous clothing. Some people are also dressing up as just pop culture Halloween costumes. And so there's a bit of a mashup with Halloween. But at its core, at its root, there's something really quite sweet and lovely about it, which is a focus on those who have passed. And so you you think about the things that are important to them. You gather the things that are important to them, their favorite foods, their favorite drinks. Uh, and then that is to bring them back. So you might actually go. I went to the cemeteries um, mm-hmm. and uh, and you can walk around the cemeteries where families are setting up and cleaning up gravestones and, and setting up for a night of hopefully welcoming um, those who have passed. Uh, you know, back for celebrations. That's a more private kind of personal um, family way to celebrate as opposed to um, uh, these public parties. And I got to tell you guys, the parties all night long. Wow. Bands, there are these banda bands that play uh, like 20-piece horn and drum bands. And they roam the cities at night. And I mean, literally all night long playing extraordinarily loud and raucous and joyful music. I'm kind of now of the opinion that every positive thing that happens in my life should be accompanied by banda music because (laughs) it is just like, it's glorious. It's fantastic. Well, I think so too. We've we've yeah. missed we miss out on having these like massive bands. This is not something that really happens a lot in this here in this day and age. So that's that's incredible. That's true. We're ours are shrinking in the parades and everything. But what I love, JJ, before we let you go, is the fact that when you compare how we you know feel about death and and 
you know, we, mm -hmm. it's very, very private here in our countries, whether you're at the cemetery, whether you're at the funeral home, or just your own personal memories of the individuals you've lost. And here and other parts of the world, there's a wonderful celebration with privacy and dignity as well. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And there are there are those who choose to to be very private about 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 everything and stay in their homes and have private dinners and and you know make a big personal private feast. But then you can also go out into the streets and and party and celebrate and dance and play music and get dressed up like you wear the face paint of a skeleton or you dress up yeah. like a very specific character <laughs> that are part that's part of the mm. tradition. And uh and in, in some ways, some people might find it a little bit morbid, but honestly, I, I never have. It has never struck me as such. Uh, yeah. Here, yeah. it just seems to be, it's understood. Yes. Death comes and I with think life, that's, and, uh, and that's so the key. we're going we're gonna to make the best of this. <laughs> I think you got it there, man. It's understood. JJ, yeah. enjoy the rest of the visit. Thanks a lot for taking time. I'm sorry today's a rough one, but it's been a bit of a rough time, I know, lately there with since the hurricane. JJ Hunt joining us on the program out in Mexico, obviously, as usual, painting great pictures. Please join us for our travel chats with JJ on the third Wednesday of the month. Grant and I will step aside for a moment. Kevin Shaw will be with us to continue our series on business etiquette on focus, though, on digital etiquette when we return after this. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Beth Deer and Grant Hardy will be joining us in Toronto along with you folks, GTA folks. Once again, I'll just go over that information quickly pertaining our special live taping on the 27th of November at the Great Hall. This will be at 3 p.m. Eastern time that will be starting the, the, I can't say festivities, folks. It's work! Well, I mean, if you're somebody who sits there, gathers up some of the prizes, and you're lucky enough to win one of those Apple gift cards or the Tim Hortons cards... You know, it's a walk in the park kind of day. Uh, so remember, please send in and, and ask your questions and hold your spot so you can be one of the 50 uh, audience members that we're looking for. Info at AMI.ca, space is limited. And um, folks, again, you must be there to actually get one of those prizes. So we want you there and want you to settle on back. As I mentioned, Grant and Beth will be there joining us, our whole team, and we'll kick off a show. We've got some music, entertainment, as well as great conversation and a couple of guests that uh, are going to slide in to join us for the program. Kelly McDonald here today, Grant Hardy over there. It's going to be really fun. And when we say space is filling up, it really is. I think we've got it quite is. a lot of those seats filled up already. All right. It is the second Wednesday of the month, which means we are checking in to talk all things business with Kevin Shaw. Do you have questions about how to turn your business dreams into reality? Join me, Kevin Shaw, a recovering entrepreneur, for answers to your questions and much more, right here on Kelly and Rabia. Kevin, great to chat with you today. And today we're continuing our series on business etiquette with a focus on digital etiquette in the workplace. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, as always. Uh, professional email communication. Can we touch on this and why it's so important? 
Yeah, I know a lot of people think that with all of these new methods of communicating, we've got the Slacks and the Skypes and the Teams and the, well, nobody uses Skype anymore. Um, you know, all of these new forms, social media, email has never gone away. And it is the sort of the foundation, sort of the building block of really good business communication. And it's so important that when you're in a work setting, when you're in a business setting, that you know how to write a clear, concise email so that you are putting your best foot forward. Um, obviously, you want to make sure that the subject line matches the email, that you know how to use email threads properly, when to use reply and reply all. I know that's a, <laughs> I know that's a big one that <laughs> people tricky often, one. Uh, get messed huh. up with. Um, but even, you know, even things like, uh, uh, you know, writing in all caps, like that's considered a no-no in, in most work settings because writing in all caps is like you're shouting everything mm -hmm. uh, and you don't want to do that to your to your colleagues or or your boss. Yeah, I, th wow. I think it's <laughs> it's so easy to just fire off something that comes across as a bit snarky, you know, with maybe a couple all caps it takes you like two seconds to write it and then fire it off but we forget that like those work emails they are saved they're out there for like forever so that's right yeah i worked in an environment where they said there's no such thing as a deleted email because yes. even though it was deleted on your computer mm -hmm. it had it on their systems and so if there was anything that ever happened in the future they could always <laughs> go back and you know dig into the archives as it were and pull out something that you you know, either sent and deleted or, you know, an email that you deleted like years ago. Grant and I were talking a while ago about uh, the program AMI This Week and some of the content that we've created over the years, Kev. And one of the things I remember them doing is sitting down with us and saying, okay, let's have the social media conversation, guys, because oh, you yeah. need that yeah. online presence. So let's talk a little bit about that now, sure. Kev. Yeah, uh, obviously today it's it's really easy to get onto social media, whether it's TikTok or Instagram or Twitter. And, you know, we all kind of feel the need to spout off our opinions about things, or maybe we've got like a little side hustle that we're doing or, you know, just something that we find really interesting. I, I've got a friend who um, she photographs Playmobil toys on her Instagram channel, and that's all oh, she wow. does. You know, and, and that's kind of quirky and unique and, and cool. Um, but you've got to be careful in business settings where you are in a position, let's say, of, of authority. Maybe you're in a management position. You're responsible for people or you're the face of your company. You're doing some PR work, that kind of thing. And you've got your own, you know, Twitter, TikTok or whatever. You, you want to make sure that. <laughs> what you're doing on social media is not uh, uh, what we call a CLM or career limiting move. Um, <laughs> and and uh, I love you know, it because sure it's so true. It. <laughs> beware. Yeah. Yep. Beware. Be wary of, of that. Um, you know, and, and we live in a, in a world again where once it's online, it never disappears because someone's got a backup of a backup of a backup. And even though you've deleted it, uh, you know, six times, some someone's always got a copy of it. So uh, you want to be as careful as posting on your personal social media as you are on your 
um, you know, with, with your work colleagues, the same things that you would, you would post at work. And I know a lot of um, companies now they use uh, special kind of gated social media platforms. So Yammer is one of them. Um, that's just for work. And, right. and so that's just your work colleagues, people in the company, you know, if you're doing something at work that you want your company to, that you want your colleagues to know about, you can, you can post it up there and, and get likes and shares and so forth within your, within your company. But as for your Instagram and your TikTok and all of that stuff, you want to make sure that, uh, you know, you're not, you're not posting anything on there that's too controversial. Because it does come back, even we're talking your private, your, hey, and I think, Kevin, what we had, the biggest problem with the social media part of it is saying, okay, I represent my company over here doing this and that as a representative of the company, but on my own time, on my Saturday or whatever it might be, here's my X account. Why can't I say what I want to say over there? And again, we go back to the beware. And yeah, I, I mean... Cancel culture was such a, well, I shouldn't say was, but is such a big thing. Um, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, what side of the political aisle you're on, whether you're, whether you're left or right or center, or, you know, up, down, doesn't matter. Um, you know, I, I think you can engage in, uh, in, let's say, social debate without being nasty. Um, you know, the other thing to be mindful, too, is that when you're on your social media, um that you're not, you know, like, hey, I've I've got 20 new friends at work and I'm going to, you know, harass them with my, uh, you know, my side project or my, um, you know, my blog or, you know, the, the creative stuff that I'm doing over here on TikTok. Um, you know, it's very clear to have those. Uh, it's very important to have those boundaries between work and between uh, what you're doing in the social space. And if people want to come and follow you, they can come and follow you. But I think it gets a little bit annoying when when you've got the, you know, the person that's sitting, uh, you know, five cubicles away from you and that you engage with once a week, mm -hmm. pestering you to say, hey, you know, follow follow me on TikTok, be my friend on Facebook. Um, you know, being a friend is very different than being a colleague. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Same with arguments, right? If we, we were taught a grant, if someone yeah. doesn't like something you said, you know, there's a certain realm that AMI has said to us, don't don't respond to that. If anyone has sure. to, that marketing. Yeah. Yep. And I think the other thing that I'm starting to realize is we, we're living in a world talking about cancel culture, like you mentioned, which, you know, like is, is important sometimes if people, you know, really have, have, have messed up. But I think one thing that like, even I'm not really used to with my age group is that, you know, stuff that you said in high school, you know, just like silly little stuff oh, that, yeah. you know, maybe turns out to be offensive. <laughs> you know, people people can like surface that now using the algorithms, the tools, whatever. And like you said this in, in 2008 and suddenly it's like game all over. So it's like <laughs> your current, but also, also pruning maybe your past. Uh, you know, luckily I don't really have a lot of stuff on social media, but kind of mm. kind of cleaning hygiene, you know, cleaning it up maybe wow. a little bit. I'm too old. Anything I said is still reverberating <laughs> through space until we can catch up to those. <laughs> uh, For sure. Do we want to and, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, especially now with cancel culture, I mean, you know, I think I think we need to kind of cut people some slack and, and you know, allow some forgiveness. Of course, we all did kind of boneheaded things when we were young. 
um, you know, which person hasn't. And, uh, you know, so uh, yeah, no one's know. perfect as the saying goes. So, yeah. Yeah. Should, should we talk about LinkedIn and those ones? Because they're they are the important yeah. ones, too. Totally. And and LinkedIn, obviously, you want to make sure that, um, you know, that you've got a profile on LinkedIn, but that you're also careful of how you use LinkedIn. So, for example, I get requests from people to connect with me on LinkedIn all the time that I've never met. Um, and I think that's, uh, you know, gets a little bit, uh, it's a little gauche, as they might say, Um you want to make sure that if you are doing any kind of networking, any kind of social social networking, that um, you've you've got a reason to connect with them, uh, that you've got maybe that you've met them at a conference or something, that you've shaken hands, that you've uh, had mm -hmm. some kind of an interaction before you go and find them on social media and you know start to, you know giving them sales pitch and and that kind of thing. Kevin, one thing that so many of us are familiar with now is remote work. Can we dive yes. into some of that etiquette? Yeah, especially now, uh, you know, that we've gone through a couple of years where a lot of things have moved remote. Obviously, when you're in the office, there are certain rules of etiquette that uh, that you would follow there. But I think the same thing applies, you know, especially for for people in in the sight loss community. Um, we want to be mindful of the things that are on camera. If we're in a situation where we've got uh, our cameras on, we're in a Zoom meeting, mm. we want to make sure that our mics are muted when we're not supposed to be talking. Uh, we want to make sure that whatever's behind us in, in the shot is not offensive, is not, um, you know, you obviously don't want to be hanging out your underwear to dry behind you in your, you know, in your bedroom or whatever. Um, you know, nothing, nothing embarrassing, um, you know, pay attention to the things that are behind you, pay attention to, I don't know, maybe you've got some really gory movie poster or something that, uh, you know, might not be appropriate in a work setting. Um, and, and make sure that, <laughs> that um, if you are in a meeting and, and find out from your company as to, you know, I, I work for, for two organizations and, one organization likes cameras on at meetings and one organization likes cameras off. So I'm very mindful of what's behind me and what I'm wearing and, you know, making sure that my face is clean and, you know, my hair is combed and all of that good stuff when I'm, when I'm on video. Sure. Yeah, very much yeah, so. It, it's interesting too on the camera on camera off, because <laughs> again, a lot of that is whoever that manager is, whoever is leading the, a lot of it is the, the personal yeah. preference. What about the instant messaging apps? Yeah, instant messaging is interesting, right? Because we we're we're so used to it with texting. Um, you know, we, we've all received that text with like fifty emojis in it, and we're just like, you know, especially for people like myself or screen reader users, and we've got to hear, you know, voiceover say all fifty emojis. Um, it's you know. It, Definitely don't do that in a work setting where you're using uh, tools like Slack or Teams or Google Chat or Meet. Um, you want to make sure that that your communications, that you're you're spelling things properly. You're not using short forms. Um, you know, letter U, letter R, G R eight for you are great. You know, you don't want to be doing that. You want to make sure that you're writing things out in full sentences um, and making sure that you understand that. 
being on an instant messaging platform comes with a certain set of requirements and responsibilities. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that you're replying in a, in a very timely way. Obviously, that you're not, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> this has happened to me a couple of times where you might be in the wrong window and you write a message and the message goes to the wrong person. Oh, oh you know, slap your forehead. Sorry, that message wasn't meant for you. You want to make sure that, um, you know, you're not writing things that are that are too offensive in a, in a work setting, um, you know, using coarse language, that kind of thing. I, I wonder That's not what happened room... to me, by the way. <laughs> I wonder if there's room, though, for maybe a little bit sort of lighter, more chill, informal messaging when you when you've worked somewhere for a while, you know, yeah. your colleagues well, and you can kind of read the room. Yeah, totally. And and you've got that freedom on instant messaging. But when you're meeting somebody, let's say for the first time, or you're interacting with your IT department or management, um, obviously, you don't want to be super casual and uh, you want to make sure that there's a little bit of formality around that until you've built up a rapport. Understood. Well, that's def- definitely going to have to look over my own style of communication because sometimes <laughs> I can be pretty formal. I like to use my emojis. Amazing. I, I'm blind and I still use my emojis and stuff because I just think it's a, a way of expressing myself. But a good yeah. good thought that especially meeting for someone for the first time, uh, take a little bit more time maybe be a little bit more formal. We're pretty tight for time here, but Kevin, thank you so much for joining us to chat a little bit about about business. No problem. My pleasure. Kevin joins us every month at this time to chat. Let's see if I can get it out this time about business. (laughs) So you remember that social media talk that I was referring to? Uh, You could, you could, tell a story about me where remember we had our training session about teams i'm mr tech guy i always mute my mic at the right time but this one time i went on an unsolicited rant about teams which everybody heard so good job grant <laughs> oh i do remember that <laughs> oh my good heavens yes yes now that you mention it oh my good heavens grant the uncensored side of grant hardy uh coming up next ladies and gentlemen we step aside for a few moments and when we wrap up the show we talk about what's coming up on the next edition of now with dave brown grant will have that for us and ladies and gentlemen we'll tell you what's coming up on our show and of course have our closing moment we'll be right back we'll be back with more of kelly and ramya after this short break Welcome back to the program. It's Ramya and Kelly, but Kelly and Grant here today. Uh, usually, Rum, well, Rum was here at the beginning, so I guess I should really say it this way. Welcome back to Kelly and Ramya. Ramya, Grant, and Kelly today hosting the show. Try saying that five times. Well, that's just um, interesting. It's just crazy, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Grant and I have been settled in with you folks. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, we'd appreciate it. Check the show out at your convenience. Of course, you have the Daily Times for the uh, share airing on AMI, show airing on AMI TV and AMI Audio, those repeats that are available, but do subscribe to the podcast. And you can do that with the gang over at Now with Dave Brown, their program available to you as well. Let's take a quick boo at what they've got on their show tomorrow. Don Dickinson will be there to preview some of the content that you'll hear on uh, Voices of the Walrus, including a somber story about the roots of the opioid crisis in Manaimo, B.C., that could also lay uh, have some roots in that housing shortage over there as well. 
Mark Aflalo from Access Tech Live will be there, and he's going to be telling the story of how an implant can help a 63-year-old with Parkinson's regain his ability to walk. Entertainment critic Michael McNeely will talk about the uh, with this review that he's going to do on the Peter Jackson documentary, World War One document, documentary. They shall not grow old. So lots of great content there, a lot of opinion, a lot of really surprising things there on the program that make you say, wow, Grant. So their show at 9 a.m. in the morning, AMI-TV, the place to find it, or as I mentioned, via podcast. They, like us, would appreciate a rating and review if you're checking it out. Closing moment today is interesting, Grant. We were talking earlier a little bit uh, about sound and maybe making adjustments and what we can do to be louder. But let's talk about crickets who use the ground to amplify sound. This study from the University of Western Ontario right here in London, they use wings to, and uh, or chirps to attract mates. A few species of crickets, such as tree crickets, even build tools known as baffled by carving out holes in leaves to make themselves be louder. To better understand this, a team in... Uh, at UWO, uh, what they decided to do is make some models on the computer and they, they designed the models and took some things into account. They had a baseline when it came to these baffles. They noticed that the ground crickets definitely increased sound doing it, same with the, the tree crickets. But if that's the case and baffles are the best to use, why don't these more of the 6,000 species of crickets use them? They thought something about the environment had to do with it. So to delve deeper into this, they modeled their ge computer generations to be a little bit more realistic by adding animation, el elements, excuse me, such as vegetation, the ground, itso ground itself. They noticed that if sitting on the ground, the cricket voice became 10 times louder. So what we learned from crickets, if you're small, you know, kind of have to really boost it out there, belt it out for people to notice you. Why don't we just put our speakers on the ground? Don't put it up in the tree. What's it going to do? You want to upset that neighbor, Grant? Blare that from the ground. I don't know, it's, Grant. <laughs> I'm not sure I totally agree with speakers. Yeah, that might be a tough sell in uh, some of our communities, but I mean, it's just absolutely amazing how many adaptations these animals, these creatures have that we don't even yes. realize. Like, how did they how did they figure that out? How they evolve like that? It's, I know, and baffled, making and curving into the leaves. And you know, I sit here saying that, and I think. Yeah, but hold on. Most time we talk about maybe lifting a speaker off a flow so you don't bother a neighbor or whatever. But definitely, I've heard speakers in the tree and kind of like, eh. All right. Anyway, that's <laughs> food for thought. Try it out cool, today, folks, before cool it gets one. too cold where you are. Have some fun with that. Grant, we're just about out of time. Let's take a look at tomorrow's show quickly on our accessible gaming segment. Marcus McCracken tells us about a family-friendly game that's good for the kids. It's the family all involved. On our weekly roundtable, we'll be joined by Vice President Content Development and Operations at AMI, John Melville. Grant, thanks again for being with us. We'll see you next week on the program, Grant. Oh, sorry, he's back tomorrow. You'll hopefully be back tomorrow starting at 2 p.m. Eastern. Fedora's off to you, folks. So we just had that... Uh, okay, I won't say the word ridiculous.
Well, all right, I will, but uh, it's just my opinion. Ridiculous time change business that we go through twice a year that, uh, again, you know, uh, if you pay attention to the program or regular around this time, you know uh, these guys are going to whine about the time change. Um, and again, listening to what we hear out there, and, and I think we all hear the same thing, It's it seems like it's time to let that go. But here's another reason for me to want to let it go. I have a wonderful Tissot watch. I enjoy my watch. It's it's accessible. And I do have uh, an audio instructions and some literature to kind of figure out how to change time. But it's one of those difficulties because I had to actually get it fixed. There was something weird going on with it. And it wouldn't allow me to set, I call it the blind time, so the time that's accessible for me to feel the vibrations to know okay and tell my time um, versus the visual time there's a way to do it where one follows the other and is in sync and I'm still working my way through that and I thought I knew how to do it and then all of a sudden I had to get the watch fixed it just wasn't doing it my jeweler he tried it and said hey, we, we got to send this away so you know what I'm doing now, right? As it comes to that time, and I've been so happy having it. It works wonderful. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to stop by the jeweler later this week and whine to him to change the time for me. And he said, well, sure, but leave it with me and let's cross our fingers. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.